Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Shamai, hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm your host, Sam Cook. Over the next half an hour, you'll be hearing from some of this country's biggest stars. From where they got their big break, to struggles that they may have faced along the way. In this week's episode, we'll be putting the Alarm's lead singer, Mike Peters, in the spotlight. Mike Peters, hello. How are you? Hello, Sam. I'm great, thanks. What have you been up to today? Got a busy uh, day? Well, I've just been getting packed, uh, unpacked from a flying visit to New York this weekend. We played uh, two big shows at the Gramercy Theatre in New York, both sold out. Uh, it was an Alarm gathering in New York and fans came from all over America to it. It was a hectic weekend with uh, all sorts of things packed in around it and uh yeah it was a brilliant weekend just glad to be back home and now and getting ready for our big show with the cult next week in in Cardiff Castle that is a rock star's lifestyle isn't it the jet setting <laughs> do you ever get used to it uh well i i don't know if you get used to it but you it's always exciting you know look the way i look at it is um we get paid for the travelling and the and the and the the hustle and bustle of getting to places, but we go on stage for free, so uh, that's that's how I I see it. So as long as I can get to do a gig at the end of it and enjoy playing music, then it's all worth it. Are you coping with the jet lag? I'm not too bad this time because it was a it's you know going to America it's it's uh, you gain time so it's fast you know I mean I had to get straight off the plane because uh, we've been busy with it we had our snowden rocks event last weekend as well so that was intense and then get straight on the plane and fly to new york after climbing snowden and everything with all the fans there and love up strength supporters and then straight from the airport to rough trade records in the rockefeller uh, plaza in in the center of new york and do an in-store for all the fans that were all queuing up outside and and uh, that was it that was intense and then we had the shows and then we did a performance on sunday we did a Love, Hope, Strength charity hike around Central Park. And we did uh, some songs at the Bethesda Fountain, make the connection between Bethesda, New York, and Bethesda, North Wales, and, uh, and sang a song at the, uh, to finish at the Strawberry Fields Gardens in, um, in Central Park, where it's uh, you know, very close to jo- where John and Lennon was, uh, used to live in the Dakota building. So it, was, it you know, brought, brings out a lot of emotion when you go to some of these iconic places where, you know, massive moments in history have taken place and big moments have affected the lives of so many and in a way affected the lives of the alarm and the songwriting we we've aspired to ever since we when we found out John Lennon died that was a big moment for us and how does it compare playing somewhere like Central Park or anywhere in America compared to somewhere like Cardiff Castle which is uh where you'll be performing next week you know you're always making these parallels because you know, people say America hasn't got any history, you know, compared to, to what we have here in Wales. And I think America's just starting, and the world really is just starting to wake up to Wales, especially through the Ryan Reynolds Wrexham connection and, and the power that that is having in America. You know, and, and as a band, you know, we, we're probably 
first one of the only bands to properly break America um, back in the 80s. We, we were certainly trailblazers then. Back then, when people said, where do you come from? We said, real North Wales. They say, isn't that in England? You know, and it was like, no, it's in Wales, you know. And now people know where Wales is, you know. And we've since we first started in America, we've seen the devolution of Welsh government to some degree. And and even when we first went to America, you, we, there was no advertisement for Wales. It was always come to England and while you're there, visit Wales. But since the devolution in 99, you know, you see great adverts for Wales starting to appear and now it's really grown and grown and the, the appeal of Wales is massive now and it's a uh, so it's great to be part of uh, of that renaissance of Wales and be, and be proud Welshman and traveling around the world and seeing how Wales is is uh, is viewed you know and it's viewed very positively and the Americans love Wales I remember a couple of years ago I went to New York and um I was in Times Square and someone came up to me and they were like where are you from and I said, Wales. And they went, Gavin and Stacey. And I was just like, how, how mad is it that our small country has transcended, you know, internationally? Oh, it's, it's amazing, you know, because we, we don't have the same iconic symbolism, say, maybe the Irish have. You know, they, we always say the Irish are the Welsh that could swim. You know, we, we stuck, stuck it out and stayed behind to take on the, the Romans and the Normans and all the invasion forces. Well, the Irish swam and left us to it, you know, and they, they got hold of that country. And, and then a lot of them kept going to America and, and colonized, colonized, uh, colonized America. And, uh, and so, you know, and then you've got Scotland and, and all the tartan and the symbols again. We, we don't really have that so much in Wales because, you know, I think in, when I was growing up, go, first going to America, I would say to people, the difference between Wales and the other Celtic countries, we have this umbilical cord to Wales, this hiraith that we can't separate, you know, we can't cut it. We're always drawn back, you know, whereas I think Irish and Scottish people of the Celtic nations, they, they're happy to, to forage ahead and leave their roots behind in a way. Whereas we, we don't have that luxury in Wales because we're eternally tied to where we're born, aren't we? And uh, so I think, um, you know, that's, that's part of the strength of our country. And I think we, we may be a slow burn that people are starting to discover Wales slowly. And uh, in a way, I'm kind of, part of me is a bit sad that it's getting discovered through all this uh, hype through the Wrexham thing and the Ryan Reynolds, because I've always thought Wales is our best kept secret and it's nice to have it to ourselves, you know, to, to the degree that, uh, you know, I, I love the silence of Wales. You know, I love living in the mountains. I can see Snowdonia from a window. I can see down all down the coast. And I love exploring in North Wales and being part of, the beauty of the of nature here and it's a it's a big part of what drives the alarms given us a lot of our creativity and uh it's made us who we are it's almost like wales is becoming less hipster and more mainstream now and it, it's a bit like <laughs> oh i'll be careful yeah, we're breaking now. yeah we've hit, we've hit the top 40 haven't we yeah <laughs> and and mike you actually still live in wales don't you i do i always have you know i only emigrated from wales really for a couple of years when when we tried to break the alarm in 1981 we I knew it was our last chance really we were in our 20s we tried two other bands and and the energy we had by staying behind in North Wales it, it dissipated it turned in on itself and as soon as we had this band called the alarm I knew we had to take it elsewhere to, to it to grow so we could meet other people who we could connect with who didn't know who we were didn't know where we came from and so we moved to London uh, armed with our own single that we produced ourselves and uh, and that was that elevated us in a way. We were able to then pass ourselves off as being a band from the capital, 
of the UK and you could get a gig because they thought you'd bring all your mates to the gig and, you know, you'd have a following of work friends and this sort of stuff, you know, whereas if you came from real, if you said, well, we'll bring a coach load of fans, you know, that that might swing it, but it was very hard to get a gig because living in Wales in the 80s, there wasn't a lot of music really. And, and we were quite divided musically because a lot of the energy went into the Welsh language scene. And and then, you know, people like myself who were, had been denied the language, but were as Welsh as anybody, felt isolated. And, and I think so we needed to to jump across that barrier, really, and, and try and make it on our own. And luckily, our music took us to America. We broke there. We broke in America, actually, before we did in, in the UK. So we were we were quite lucky in that respect. Do you think you always wanted a career in music, even when you were younger? I didn't want a career in music, but I wanted a life in music. And that, that's that's what I aspired to. I wasn't uh, drawn to fame in any way. You know, I didn't really want like that aspect of it. I just wanted to make music. And uh, our, our first aspiration was that when, when we started The Alarm, we, we tried everything to get a record deal in our previous lives. As a, We had a band called Seventeen. We had a band before that called The Toilets, a punk band in, from 1977. And, and, and we were good, but we weren't good enough. And uh, and we were too wrapped up in and focused on get because we came from Wales. Like it meant so much to us to kind of get a record deal. We felt that was our way out, and we we lost sight that really the way out was writing great music, writing songs that connected to people. And when we had the alarm, I thought we've got this connection here, and we mustn't waste this opportunity. So we needed to get out, and uh, I think uh, that that helped set us apart. Coming from Wales helped set us apart and uh, make us who we are. And the alarm has been around since the early 80s. How would you say that your music has had to adapt over the years? I think it's had to adapt like we've had to adapt as human beings, you know, to to deal with life as it's thrown at us from, um, you know, making it in America and coming back to Britain, coping with that change, um, you know, dealing with individuals in the group as we all change through the decades as people get married, have children, you know, like people like myself who have to deal with blood cancers from an early age. I think that that m- means you have to adapt and survive. And, and with that survival instinct, your music comes along with it too. Uh, especially as we, you know, I never wanted us, like I was saying in the earlier um, part of the interview, I didn't want to become famous. I just wanted to make good music. And if that took us to the garage or it took us to Wembley Stadium, then that's where we were meant to be. And, and we'll have to accept the way the journey the music takes us on. And it's it, that's always been the way it has. It, our music took us to America. It's taken us to Wales. You know, we, we took on the challenge of bilingualism, of trying to cross the barrier between English-speaking Welsh bands and Welsh-speaking Welsh bands. We tried to, you know, make a connection there, which we did in 1989 with our Change album. And, and we could take on challenges as meant our music has, has to come with us and take on the challenge as well. I think that's kept us alive and relevant. What do you think of music nowadays? Because I think we need look no further than the last couple of days at Glastonbury and Elton John to see that people have this great appreciation for for, for music at, at that time. What, what do you think of the current music scene? Well, I think uh, we live in a time now where it's uh, it's really pop music driven and, uh, you know, and uh, you know, there's some brilliant artists out there, but they maybe don't play guitar and have longer hair and, and rock out in, 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 in the same way. But there's still some fantastic songs out there on, on, the, on the stages of Glastonbury. And, and that connects you back to, to Elton John in a way, you know, because he, he's 
career is driven by music. I know he had the flamboyancy and the costumes, but but his music connects down the generations, and uh, you know he has younger artists on stage with him, and I think there's some fantastic songs out there, and uh, you know I think uh, it's it's a good time for music, and you know, but because you can still see the queens of the Stone Age on the, on the stage rocking out at, at, at similar times, probably Elton was on stage, and then we were picking it up in New York in the dressing room because we were five hours ahead so we in the afternoons during the sound check time we'd be we had Glastonbury on our laptops and we saw the pretenders with Johnny Marr on stage and Dave Grohl and uh, and some 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 brilliant artists you know out there really really fantastic. Are there any bands or artists on the current circuit that you think you think yeah they're, they're doing really well? Yeah I like a band from Wrexham actually called Royston Club I think they're pretty amazing I think they've got a lot going from brilliant pop single I just heard recently and uh we kind of gave it a flag out there on our on our social media trying to turn our bands onto it I, I got my kids my own kids Dylan and Evan to to listen to them and they're into it now and uh you know maybe they'll be the next band that fly the flag for Wales internationally as well for you, Mike, 1996 was an interesting year for you because um, unfortunately you found out that you had cancer for the first time. What do you remember thinking at that time? It was a shock at first because I, I, I'd gone to the hospital on my way to a concert in, in the northeast of England and uh, my brother was waiting outside and, and the, I just went to give a blood test. There was no cancer centre in North Wales in 1996 so there was no hint of what was to come when I arrived at the hospital. And the nurses asked me if I'd wait to see a doctor. And, and they, as soon as I sat down with the doctor, I, I, was, I saw a sheet of paper coming across the desk with the word cancer written on it. And it said, let's talk about cancer. And I sort of went into shock, really. And I, I, that was it. And my mind shut down. And I can remember getting home and amongst all the tears of my wife and my brother and, get, and then getting back to our house and, and my brother picking up the phone. I said, who, who are you phoning? And he said, I'm going to cancel the gig tonight. I went, no, let's go and do the gig. I, I don't want cancer to stop my life. Just, you know, 20 minutes ago, we were on our way to a gig. We've heard this world called cancer. Let's start from this point. Let's start from where we were, not where the word cancer is make, already making us cancel gigs. It's already making us not travel. I said, let's, let's travel. Let's do the gig. Let's deal with cancer tomorrow when we're in front of the doctor. Something like that must change your perspective as a whole. Absolutely. It makes you realise everything that's important because in that second, you think what is important dealing with, you know, cancer? Uh, do, is it important that I get to the gig on time or is it better that I get there safely and, and stay alive for my kids and, and, uh, and, and, you know, live for having a family? At the time, I didn't have a family. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I do want to have children. How's this going to affect my life? And, uh, you know, so it's... Uh, it does make you realise about the importance of time, and uh, and and when when you've heard the word cancer and, and you've potentially got a death sentence hanging over your head, you see that clock ticking on the wall, and it becomes more and more significant. And you realise that you want to get to the next hour, and and every hour is is precious, every second. And I, I always um, say to people who who are uh, affected by cancer to to start from where they were before they heard the word cancer because cancer does send you plummeting down 200 floors into the depths of depression a lot of people get really depressed and they you know they might have been running the, the day before they heard cancer or gone out for dinner with their partner or, or hanging out with their kids or their best friends and then all of a sudden they hear the word cancer and they stay in and think that's it I can't go out anymore well I 
always say to people, keep doing everything you did before cancer and take cancer on the same journey with you and uh, let it see how beautiful your life is. And, and hopefully the beauty of life will overcome the, uh, the darkness of what cancer can bring into your being. And then unfortunately, in 2005, you found out that you had a form of leukemia as well, which has since relapsed. How are you? How are you doing now? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. You know, I, I was at a, it, living with the, the disease since 95 and it's come at me in various forms because I have sustained and been able to live through all this time. Uh, I've been lucky on many occasions when drugs have been running out or stopping their efficiency um, and they turned on the, uh, I've been lucky enough that there's been something else, you know, and that's down to the, the generosity of people in funding cancer research programs, the intellect of scientists who, who come up with these incredible breakthroughs and, and incredible medicines. And I've been the recipient of all that. And uh, last year, my life was really in jeopardy uh, when, when I was, uh, it came back to bite me again. Uh, I had pneumonia, my drugs stopped working. And luckily there was something new to go to. And it's like an eternal game of Donkey Kong. I get to the end of the plank and I'm about to fall off and then I oh, just make it to, to that next level and keep going. And uh, and that's down to the brilliance of the, the NHS system in the UK and the system that we have in Wales. And, you know, it, it's easy to criticise because it's a human um, institution. It's, it's humans looking after human beings. And uh, there's always going to be, the fallacy of the human spirit is always going to let us down at times, but but the, the beauty of, of humanity tends to overcome, but that gets overlooked a lot in the media. But we've got an incredible NHS in Britain, world-class doctors, world-class nurses who are keeping our families going, keeping our connections alive, you know, keeping us there for our partners when, when they need us and, uh, and easing the journey into the next world because not everyone makes it. You know, I've seen some incredible stories of people who, um, you know, had a friend come back from Australia to see his mother because she was passing away. And she hung on and hung on and the nurses kept her alive. And she hung on for that final five minutes just so she could see her son come through the door, hold each other and, and, and lose each other in that moment. But it was so beautiful that, that that is why if you can hang in there, life can be beautiful in the, just for those that one minute. You can have as much life in a minute as you can in a lifetime if you can cherish it and realize how beautiful life is and what i think is really great with you you you've looked cancer in the face and you've gone nah you know you you've literally you've defied it for example in 2007 you took part in the highest concert ever which is performed uh on mount everest so why was it so important for you to raise awareness and do charity work and and essentially say no to cancer I felt like when I was diagnosed in 95, it, 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 everyone, even myself included, I, I, we heard the word cancer applied into our lives and immediately thought it was a death sentence. But my experiences over 10 years of living with the disease, surviving, showed me that it doesn't have to be a death sentence and that, that there are ways to live with the disease and, uh, and sustain yourself. And, and especially when it got to 2005 and I was very ill and I made it through that that term of the initial, all the chemotherapy, or, or everything that went with staying alive, you know, needed having to find a bone marrow transplant that another human being could potentially save my life. And 
meeting my friend James Chippendale from Texas, whose life had been saved by a donor from Germany. I thought we need to get this message out there because I was someone who had a bone marrow transplant hanging over his head. And I thought, that's it. It's going to be the end of my life. But it doesn't mean that anymore. And I think we needed to go to the highest places in the world. Like Snowden was my first aspiration, being treated in the North Wales Cancer Centre. I could see Snowden from the window and I thought, that's going to be a great symbol for me. When I get out, I want to get back. If I can climb to Snowden, I know I've overcome the worst of cancer. I know I haven't defeated it, but I know I've overcome the worst. And I can tell people that you can come with me. You know, you can take your cancer and you can carry it up this mountain and you can survive and you can get on with the disease and you can make it part of you and not let it define you and defeat you. But you can, you can, it can lift you up in some ways by taking on the challenge of facing down cancer. You can, you, you can be lifted up and you can go on to greater things. And I think that's what we wanted to convey right across the world was that cancer isn't a death sentence anymore. There's management tools out there to help you live with cancer. And, and it's not the same as it was when it was maybe for our parents, when it was a death sentence. Now it's something completely different. And I, I almost think we, I wish I could change, rejuggle the words of cancer to spell something else, because I don't like the spelling and the wording of cancer anymore. I think we need to change it, really. I think when our grandparents alive i think they thought it was something called consumption and uh, and now it's called cancer and it's, it's a very modern term but i think we need to redefine it again and that's that's what love hope strength our charity is about trying to redefine the terms of cancer whilst you're receiving treatment for cancer music probably has to be put on the back burner for a little while how, how was it leaving music and sort of focusing getting better well, uh, to be honest, I, I, I can't get away from music, no matter how hard I try. It's, it, I, and my music doesn't really start with an instrument. It starts in my imagination. And, and I, I, that's how I was when I was a kid. And I thought, how do you write a song? You know, the, in 1975, 76, when I started messing around with guitars and I'd seen the Sex Pistols in Chester, I, I wanted to be in a band. There was no manual to success, no, no rock school you could go to. So I had to use my imagination to, to write a song, you know, I didn't know wh where to go and get clothes from, or, you know, I had to go on train journeys and brave, you know, incredible nightclubs and, and incredible venues and find these amazing record shops and clothes shops that were almost intimidating to go into, but you're discovering yourself on this massive journey and that's where you become who you want to be and who you, you are inside. And uh, so uh, um, music has always been my imagination and, and that's where my songs derived from I, I think them up and and the guitar is really just a midwife to bring it into the world and so when I when I was in hospital and I was there for a long time last year my imagination ran wild and I I used to write lyrics into my phone I'd sing songs I even got when I could got well enough to start living again and 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 get out of the bed I had my wife bring my guitar into the hospital and I was able to conceive a lot of songs that became part of our new record forwards while I was in the hospital so you know, music, again, is another, it's a big force to keep me alive. And that's when, when we go on our Love, Hope, Strength hikes or we, we go around Central Park or we go to Everest, we, we take music with us because singing is a beautiful thing and it brings us all together. And you know, we, when we're, we're singing in a, a mountain village in Nepal, it's an incredible feeling. And then all the, when you've got these guys like the Sherpa that are carrying your bags up the mountain with you and they realise that you're leaving the money behind in Nepal to build a cancer centre in Kathmandu. It's, it's empowering and, and they, they're so grateful because most people climb Everest to, 
sport uh, institutions back here in the West. Whereas we, we broke a bit of the mould with, with our charity. We, we climbed in Nepal or we climbed Kilimanjaro and, and the funds we raised stayed in Africa. Just like when we climb Snowdon, the money stays in North Wales and, or wherever we are in the world. And, and it makes a big difference and it connects people to the reality of cancer. They see where the money goes. They feel like they're supporting for their community. And it's, uh, it changes lives. It makes a big difference uh, for people who are recipients of Love, Hope, Strength and those who are supporting Love, Hope, Strength. All I can think about is it must have been great for people on the ward with you. They must be like, this is free gig. <laughs> yeah, I know. To be honest, when the nurses said, they said, well, no one's ever asked to bring a guitar into the hospital before. But there was a lot of uh, the pandemic protocols are still in place. So the beds were quite far apart. The wards were spaced out. So, and I said, I'm only going to play it quietly just to keep my fingers going and keep some calluses there so I don't lose the ability to play guitar. Just like when I was off the IV, I'd ask the nurse if I could walk the hospital corridors because they were empty. And I would walk a lot of miles at night, walking in backwards and forwards just to keep some, some of my humanity going and my body strength. And, uh, and then when I was playing guitar in the hospital, I was only doing it really quietly. And the other gentleman on the ward, it was a male ward, they were saying, no, it, don't, don't mind us, you know, turn it up. <laughs> and I think it became quite a distraction to what was really going on around us all because it was a tent, you know, some of the people, there, there was uh, the, the, the blue curtain moments when they all come around the bed. And then unfortunately, when they were opened again, the bed was empty, which tells you what was happening. And uh, that was, that was, it was horrible to see that at times and, uh, and, and the humanity that goes with it. And that, that, was, that was feeding into my music, really. And uh, and and so the, all the bleeps and the, of the heart rate monitors, you know, doo, doo, and the the alarms that tell people the drugs need you, doo, 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 all that's going on. That becomes your little, that became my little backing band, you know. And it was almost a bit like, you know, I play a little riff that had come into my mind, and the the, the, the guys, hey, that's that's cool, man. You know? Wow! <laughs> Even the North Wales patients were getting American accents. That's <laughs> mad. They were becoming rock and rollers. And aside from music, obviously that is so important to you in your life. What what, what else do you do in your spare time? What's what well, I else? love, I, you know, I, I I love life. You know, I like sport, music. I, I like hiking. I like getting. I love getting out into the mountains of of Wales. And I live right in the Vale of Clwyd. And I, um, you know, we've we my wife and I have we've got um, a, a chapel full of apartments, and we all have visitors coming to stay. It was great for us when the lockdown was on. We had all these people come from all over the world staying in the chapel and we were allowed to do events for 30 people in Wales. So we had all, all our uh, visitors coming for a little acoustic gigs in the community hall. We've since opened a, a hotel in the Red opposite the Dizzith Waterfalls and we've got that as a music venue and a coffee shop. Go, it's all about to open officially any minute now. And we love getting out there and, and walking and hiking and, and and uh, and being part of the community, I think that's what what we we enjoy the most. Just and being in North Wales, you know, I, it's the best part of the world for me. I love when we come home from a journey like we've just been on to New York, and you come back from the airport and you come over the the hill, and and it's like, there's the Shire, Denbyshire. <laughs> we you know we love it. It's it's amazing. You know, you can see it all play out in front of you. See all the weather fronts coming in, and uh, yeah, it's, life's beautiful in North Wales. What would you say is the proudest moment of your life? Oof, well, you know, having children, is, it, that's an unbeatable 
thing. Bringing you know your two young boys into the world is is an amazing thing. Musically, I think it's uh, probably being able to you know climb on stage uh, when someone like Bob Dylan invites you up to come and sing a song is pretty epic and. I've, I've, uh, even Bruce Springsteen knocked on my door in, in 2016 in, in New York and invited me up on stage to sing with him. And I, I was like, wow, you know, this little guy from Dizeth in North Wales, from real, you know, the next minute he's got you know, a guy from New Jersey knocking on his door saying, I want to sing a song with you tonight. And then you get up on stage with Bruce Springsteen. It's That's a pretty epic moment. And, uh, you know, but then, you know, again, coming through the cancer ward, and with your life spared, you know, and and being proud of all the nursing staff and, you know, the personal achievement of, of getting out of hospital again and living again, that's that's always something else. And, uh, you know, and seeing um, the humility of people who've come back from a ma- massive cancer experiences to to do the walks with us, to, to climb Snowden or just come part way, just seeing some of those people alongside us is, is, is incredible, you know, and, um, you know, it's, invited to have an MBE from the Prince Charles, now King Charles, and, you know, to see the effect that had on the community. You know, I'm not a massive royalist, but I thought I can't, I've got to accept this award. It's for, for what we've done for cancer. It's not, I haven't necessarily created this award myself. It's because of all the other people that have, and all the charity work they've done, the support for Love, Hope, Strength, the difference they've made. I just became the figurehead. I thought I have to go up there receive this award on behalf of everybody. And uh, that was a big moment as well. And uh, to see the pride of all our fans, supporters, people around the world when they knew their favourite singer was getting a, an MBE was pretty special as well. And Mike, we always end these podcasts with two questions. The first of which, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> I'd, I'd say to my younger self, Stay true, you know, just keep keep your feet on the ground and go where life takes you. Don't try to force the journey. Don't try to, you know, be be mindful that life is full of surprises and nothing is what is it is. You can't expect anything from life, but be prepared to think outside the box. You know, when when one road is closed, don't let that be the end of the road. Think that there's always another way. There's another opportunity if you're prepared to look and not give up and keep going and moving forward, you'll find the way. That is lovely. And Mike, what would you like to see happen next? Well, for me or for the world, because I, if it was for the world, I'd like to see the war end in Ukraine and, and Russia and have peace. And, and for me, I just want to keep staying alive so I can wake up tomorrow, see the sun come up over the Hirathic mountain here in North Wales and, and watch it go down into the sea, into the Irish Sea at the end of the day. Mike Peters, this has been wonderful. I wish you all the best with the Cardiff Castle gig. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fantastic. From I all of us at wait. Wales Online, thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of In the Spotlight. For more TV and showbiz news, subscribe to our newsletter on walesonline.co.uk.